Gamecock Nation, it has happened. The South Carolina Gamecocks finally, finally have ended the streak against the Clemson Tigers. Hello, Gamecock Nation. Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. We are your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Lyon, and I thank y'all once again for making us your first watch here today on this special live reaction edition of Locked On Gamecocks. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. One quick favor to ask, we're only eight subscribers away from 1,000. If you want to be a part of this community and you want to be kept up to date with all the latest news regarding the South Carolina Gamecocks across all their major sports, feel free to subscribe and follow us wherever you get your audio podcast daily. But enough of me talking about all that because the South Carolina Gamecocks for the second week in a row have just defeated a top 10 team in the Clemson Tigers this time around. And they did this one on the road in front of a raucous environment in Memorial Stadium. I'm going to go into this performance on the show today, talk about what it means for this program, and feel free to drop any comments in the chat, by the way, any questions that you might have. I will be sure to answer all of those as much as I can once I get to the end. Anyone that feels free to ask any questions. I will be all over the place for those of you who are listening to this on audio after this live show has been completed. Just to let y'all know about that. Alright, so again, let's get on right into it. And let's start with the offense. Because the offense won South Carolina this football game today. The defense did a valiant job against this Tigers rushing attack. And I'll get into all that later on. But this offense... The amount of times they were able to counterpunch the Clemson Tigers and overcome the adversity that happened in this game. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. South Carolina earned this game. They shot themselves in the foot on multiple occasions to get to the end result. They were down 14-0 in the first quarter. One of those scores came off of Spencer Rattler, pick six thrown to Jeremiah Trotter. They gave up a safety in the second quarter to go down 16-7. But they forced a fumble on the safety return and scored a touchdown off of that. Clemson, you can't replicate Beamer Ball, just to let y'all know. And I think y'all found out the hard way with that little trick play you tried to run. Spencer Rattler, he threw an interception at the Tigers' two-yard line after Clemson went up 23-14. But the Gamecocks were able to come back from that as they wound up scoring later in the third quarter after the Tigers went up 30-21 on just a 2 play drive. So my point being, the Gamecocks were able to go blow for blow with the team that, quite frankly, for many years now, has just dominated South Carolina. But not today. Let's talk about the players on offense. And we have to start with, excuse me, we have to start with Spencer Rattler. English is hard, apparently. Uh, With Spencer Rattler, look, you saw a little bit of the good and the bad today, but His performance in this game more so leaned on the side of the vintage Spencer Rattler that we have seen happen before, that we have seen perform before, both in the Tennessee game this past weekend and, you know, all those games that he played at Oklahoma, especially in 2020. Spencer Rattler went up against one of the better defensive fronts in all college football on Saturday. A front that is going to send multiple, not like just two or three, a handful, multiple players to the NFL 
They'll be playing on Sundays very, very soon. And he answered the bell. Despite some of the bad decisions that he made on those two interceptions that he threw, not seeing a defender that was in coverage, but not on his intended target directly, he overcame all of that. He managed to escape the pocket. He managed to scramble for some yards in certain situations. He managed to extend certain plays and do what he does best, which is basically make something happen when the play goes off script. That touchdown pass to Antoine Wells is a good example. That important third down conversion to Josh Van in the first quarter is another good example. He did this on multiple occasions on Saturday, and it's why South Carolina won this game because they had the quarterback to get this win. And I'll discuss that more later on. Nate Atkins, I'm going to tell you right now, before this season started, all the noise from the tight end room was around mainly Jaheim Bell and Austin Stogner. And for good reason. Both of those guys will play in the NFL. Both of those guys are very, very talented players. And yes, in terms of their receiving skills, they're probably a little bit better than Nate Atkins. Well, Jaheim Bell is clearly the better man in that department, I should say, than Nate Atkins. But Austin Stogner as well, just because of the frame that he offers at that position. And it's not sexy these days as a tie-in to say, well, I'm a blocking specialist. It's just not. Not with the way offenses now are operated in college football. But Nate Atkins is finding ways to make an impact. And my gosh, he's made his biggest impact in the entire season in these last two games. Against Tennessee... And Clemson, two top eight teams. The blocks that he has made in the offensive backfield, again, great move by Marcus Satterfield to put him back there. Some of the catches he made. That one-handed catch he made against Clemson today, y'all, I've watched a lot of South Carolina football. Probably one of the top five best catches I've ever seen from any Gamecock receiver or tight end or running back, period. And we watched... This man right here, if you're watching the live show right now, Steve Spurrier, coach offense, not too long ago. And Nate Atkins had a phenomenal performance today. He, I hope he got a game ball, and I hope to gosh that somebody drafts him in April. He deserves it. Some NFL team is going to get a steal, a diamond in the rough, quote-unquote, with Nate Atkins. The offensive line, listen, Clemson's defense still brought some really good pressure on Spencer Rattler. They did a good job of mixing up the situations in which they blitzed Spencer Rattler, sending sometimes only five guys and other times sending pretty much all seven that were in the box. And they only gave up three sacks. Now, of course, again, you have to credit Spencer Rattler in part as a part of that because Spencer Rattler was able to navigate the pocket. He was able to you know, extend plays, like I mentioned earlier. But this offensive line, look, again, besides maybe Georgia, they have not faced any defensive line that is as nearly talented as Clemson's is. And they answered the bell. They managed to fend them off for four quarters and help this offense score 31 points. They did about as good as you could have asked them to do. Marcus Satterfield, let's get to him. I see some of y'all commenting right now on YouTube right now about Marcus Satterfield saying that it's time that people stop criticizing him. And you know something? Um, I agree. He's earned it. And you know something? I'm someone who, I will admit, I reached a point this season where I had said, you know something? Marcus Satterfield is teeter-tottering on probably losing this job at the end of the regular season. I'm not sure that that's the case anymore. 
And that's a good thing, of course, for South Carolina because it means that they have right at the ship. And as someone also mentioned, I don't know what happened after that Florida game. I can't tell y'all what really happened. It's clear that South Carolina has finally narrowed down the playbook to some of the plays that they have run the best all season, and they're just going with it. Let the players go out there and execute. And yeah, it's probably not as simple as saying that. I just, I cannot explain to y'all all the components of the formula that they have created to get these outputs against Tennessee and Clemson. But nonetheless, Marcus Satterfield, in terms of the time that he has called plays, he has been a completely different play caller these last two weeks. He he seems to have dialed up the right play more often than not. There's only really two play calls from this Clemson game that I disagreed with. Passing the ball out of the shotgun on that play that led to Clemson's safety, while yes, it was a badly missed block uh, by the left guard on that play, and they did have a wide open man, Antoine Wells, it's just a rule of thumb that you don't do a passing play out of the shotgun in that situation. I probably would have preferred him doing maybe a horizontal pass, maybe like a swing pass, or even just a quick screen, something fast to get the ball out of the pocket and just let your athletes try to go make a play. And then the fullback dive by Jaheim Bell that preceded the big play-action pass to Juju McDowell, I felt like that that was a little bit, you know, too easy to telegraph in terms of Clemson's defense seeing that and being able to key in on the potential of that being potentially the play that was going to be run. And they stacked the box and everything. They still ran it. Granted, it worked out in the end. But again, I didn't really like that play call. But besides those two plays, Marcus Satterfield, great game by you. You took what the defense gave you, and you ran with it. And so did this team. This offense, I don't think there's anyone in college football right now, quite literally, that can stop this offense. Not a one. And the scary thing is this. South Carolina's done all this without Marshawn Lloyd and Christian Bill Smith at 100%. Listen, they both played today, but there's no question Those guys were not 100%. They never were going to be a big part of the game plan. They were going to be thrown out there more so as decoys and as a way to keep Clemson's defense honest, which is how they should have been utilized, and that's what Marcus Satterfield did. So kudos to him. I hope he also got a game ball. And again, the narrative might be different now about whether or not he comes back. And we'll discuss that more, of course, as a little bit more time passes from this final regular season game. Now, of course, the defense also stepped up to the plate in this contest. I said that they needed to slow down Clemson's running game, and in my eyes, I think they did. And we'll discuss all of that in just a few moments. But first, I do want y'all to know that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. They are the easiest place to spice up your college football season. Now, I mentioned this for the Friday show. I had two pickups that I selected from their list of games, the Florida and Florida State game and Michigan-Ohio State game. Now, for the Gators and Seminoles, that matchup, I took Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson to throw for lower than 198 and a half passing yards. Well, guess what? He just barely missed the mark. He literally threw for 198 passing yards. In the Ohio State-Michigan game, I thought that C.J. Stroud would throw for more than 285 and a half passing yards, and he wound up throwing for 349. So needless to say, um, as you can tell by all my stuff in the background, I won in multiple ways this weekend. If you want to be in that same position, then sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON, all in one word, and Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit up to $100. So if you deposit $100, they'll give you $100 for free. So go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy with the promo code LOCKEDON. 
Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Thank you all for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen today. Now, for your next listen, I would like for you all to go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast where the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place. You especially might want to tune in for their Monday show because South Carolina probably going to be featured in that episode. The Lockdown Sports Today podcast is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts daily. Okay, now let's move on to the defense. The game plan was clear from the onset of this contest. South Carolina's defense was going to sell out on the run and man up on the receivers, run a lot of man coverage, and they were going to force DJ Uyangalale to make plays. You have got to beat us. We're not going to let, number one, and all your running backs back there just run buck wild like they did in 2021. We're not going to let that happen again. We will sell out on the run. We will make you throw the ball over our heads to try to beat us in this game. And DJ Uyangalale could not do that. He couldn't do this for a variety of reasons. First of all, the defensive backs, unless it was essentially a stutter move or a double move by Clemson's wide receivers, which I got to admit, some of them did some really good routes on certain plays. Sapcon's defensive backs held their own against their guys, and they should have, because as I mentioned earlier this week, Clemson does not have a game breaker out wide. They don't have any of those guys anymore. They used to. They've had guys like that in Mike Williams. They've had guys like that in Sammy Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins. They've had guys like that in the past. But right now, Clemson does not have that. They're still talent, but they're not good enough to have one guy just take over a ball game. South Carolina's defensive backs under Torian Gray have gotten so much better over the years, or the years, over the time that Torian Gray has been here, just two seasons now. And they trusted those guys to be out there on islands and challenged these Clemson Tiger wide receivers to, again, just, you you got to beat our guys. And they couldn't do that. DJ Biongolay was clearly affected by that. He sailed a bunch of passes in this game. Even some passes that admittedly Clemson might have had a chance to make a completion on. He got hit a bunch of times in the backfield. Cyclone's defensive line, look, with the way that the Tigers' offensive line plays, with how close they are in terms of their splits in between one another, it was always going to be difficult to get a ton of sacks in this game. But again, the key in today's college football is to get pressure. Just rattle the cage, so to speak, of the opposing quarterback. And South Carolina's defensive line did that. A lot of bull rush. Some of the defensive ends, Jordan Birch had a really solid little spin move on Jordan McFadden, which led to a really solid hit on DJ Uyangalale. And DJ, he got dinged up in this game. Again, obviously, you don't advocate for injuries, but injuries are a part of the game. And on a QB run, I believe, sometime late in the third or early in the fourth quarter, he took a shot from Nick Emmonworry, who had come back after being ejected in the Tennessee contest this past weekend. And DJ clearly was not exactly the same after that hit. Now, that's not to say, of course, that changed the entire game. He wasn't playing that great up to that point. And South Carolina's defense was affecting him to a significant degree. So what does this all prove? You still have to have the best quarterback on the field in order to win games like this. You do. Clemson's rushing attack today was obviously much more effective than South Carolina's. Will Shipley still rushed for, I believe, it was 132 yards off 15 carries. Pretty daggum good ratio right there. But South Carolina did a couple of important things. 
First of all, they did not allow too many explosive plays. Last year, explosive plays, they had them left and right. This year, South Carolina, besides the one big run early in the game for Will Shipley and a couple of outside runs by maybe Shipley and Paul Maffa, they did not let Clemson just get, you know, 10, 12, 15 yards a pop. If Clemson got some really good yardage, they maybe got four yards. But there were times where South Carolina was able to stop them near the line of scrimmage. Last year, South Carolina could not do that to save their life. So how did that change things? It got Clemson to some second and long, third and long situations. And Clemson had to go out of their element a little bit, which obviously they wanted to run the ball. But South Carolina legitimately, in certain moments, on certain drives, they made Clemson have to go off schedule and have to try to complete a pass. Key Cheatham, you, you bring up a good point. And again, I mentioned this earlier. They stacked the box. And what did that do? It allowed South Carolina's defense to play the game they wanted to play, more so than Clemson's offense. And it led to some three and outs in this game, which again, last season did not happen. It also helps when you have an offense that was as hot as South Carolina's was last weekend. So, DJ Riongole, again, he, he made improvements this year, but he can't win a game on his own. South Carolina proved that today. Will Shipley is a heck of a running back. I'm going to be honest. If you're a Gamecock fan, you can't wait for that guy to go pro. Will Shipley is a very talented back, and he fought like heck for all the extra yards after contact he got. He's a powerful back. He's a fast back. He's got about everything in the toolbox that you could possibly want. Big Red, you asked who's the defensive MVP Gee whiz, um, I, I hmm. defensive MVP. You know something? I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say the defensive front for South Carolina. Because again, the secondary can be good in coverage all they want. But if Clemson's offense is running the football like they did last year, at a really good clip, extending drives, converting multiple third downs, which they still did this year, but to a lesser extent. If they don't do that, if they don't slow them down enough in that aspect, then Clemson probably still wins this game. Even though South Carolina's offense was so much better this time around. So, this this was an all-around performance. All-around performance by this football team. Now, in a couple moments, I'm going to talk about the special teams unit real fast, and I'll talk about what this win means for South Carolina's football program. However, I want y'all to uh, think about what this year has been like for you. And when you think about that, you probably think about inflation and how much inflation has impacted your life. Maybe you're driving less. Maybe you're dining out less. Maybe you're not buying as many groceries because inflation impacted your pockets so much. And we can all agree there's nothing fun about having less money. It really makes life a lot more strenuous. And for that reason, I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for when you're on the go and buying something because you get cash back on every purchase. Now, to get started, download the free Upside app. Use our promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week in cash back. And if you still question just how good they are, well, let the 4.8 star rating on the App Store speak for itself. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. If you're just 
excuse me, if you're just joining us on this live stream, the special live reaction right here from Locked On Gamecocks. Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Welcome back to the show. We cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. So, what does this win do for the program? It gives them national notoriety, and it puts them officially back on the map. And a big reason for that has been because of Beamer Ball. Special teams play has been huge this year for South Carolina. It has quite literally been the difference in a couple of these games. The two that come to mind immediately are Georgia State, two blocked punts that were taken back for touchdowns, and the Texas A&M game, the kickoff return for a touchdown in that contest. Kai Kroger, let's be honest, this man should win the the Ray Guy Award after what he did on Saturday against the Clemson Tigers. I believe he averaged over 50 yards a punt on five punts. He downed, excuse me, six punts. He downed five punts inside the 20-yard line. He downed multiple punts inside the Tigers' five-yard line, which... Again, an absolute masterclass by him in this game. Amarian Brown, my goodness, what a spot for him to be in. Josh Van goes down with a freakish knee injury in the first quarter, which, by the way, prayers to Josh Van. Really hope that he is okay because it did not look good from the replays and everything that they showed on television. Amarian Brown, he basically became the emergency punt return man for South Carolina. That's a tough spot to be put in. And... He did quite well, and he had a really big return in this game. I believe it was early in the third quarter where Aiden Swanson, the, the punter for Clemson, he he had a bad punt. It, it was short. It took a good bounce, though, to Maureen Brown. And the thing was, Clemson's coverage had a hard time getting to him. Cyclone did a good job at fending them off at the point of attack right at the line of scrimmage. And Amari Brown picked it up and literally returned it 37 yards down the left side of the field based on the broadcast angle from the television all the way down to Clemson's 26-yard line. And I believe that drive led, that pump return led to a Gamecock touchdown on that drive. And Amari Brown, besides that four-yard loss on that one pump return later in the game, he did everything right back there. Kudos to him. Mitch Jeter coming off cold. Didn't kick a field goal at all, I believe last weekend against Tennessee. Hadn't kicked a field goal all day. 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. He's asked to kick a 35-yard field goal, excuse me, to take, to get the Gamecocks the lead against the number eight ranked team in the country, a team they haven't beaten, again, seven straight tries. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kicker. Mitch Jeter, ice cold, nailed it. Nailed it right down the middle. Never gave Will Shipley a chance to return a kick. So, Pete Lembo, I said earlier, Kai Kroger should win the Ray Guy Award. Pete Lembo, there's never been a special teams coordinator that's won the Broyles Award. Pete Lembo ought to be given heavy consideration. Heavy consideration. At the minimum, he better be a finalist. Because it will be criminal if he is not. So... Again, all-around game for South Carolina. Every single unit pitched in in this contest. And that's what it was going to take for South Carolina to win this game. And that is exactly what happened. So, we've talked about how the game played out. What does this win mean for South Carolina's program? It means everything. Quite literally means everything. South Carolina was at such a low point after that Florida game. Think about this, y'all. 
staring at a 6-6 six and six record after that Florida game, you just played your worst game probably all year considering all the circumstances. Yes, Florida is a decent team. They are not a good Florida team right now, though. They, they're 6-6. Six and six. They lost to Vanderbilt the very next week, right? Kentucky gave, did them the favor of losing to them the weekend prior. They lose to Vanderbilt on the road. Then they turn around and lose to Florida State in their final game. Now they're 6-6. Six and six. Not a great Florida team. You got trounced by them on the road. You're looking at two top eight teams The very at the end of the season. It looks like they're going to lose both. The matchups look nightmarish for this team. They turn around and win both of them. So what is this show? South Carolina took another step forward. Some of you odds makers need to learn your lessons in terms of setting a bar on South Carolina. You projected like three and a half, four wins in year one. South Carolina turned around and won six, plus another one in the bowl game. South Carolina was projected this year to win like five and a half or six. That was the over-under win toll set by a lot of odds makers, maybe even our friends at Bet Online. And Bet Online, we love y'all. We thank you so much for all the help that you give to our company. But with South Carolina, I think it's time some of y'all take a closer look at them because they crushed the win totals set by odds makers this year. They've won eight games now. And guess what? They haven't even played their bowl game yet. So South Carolina right now, They are shooting up. They are having consistent linear progression that is being shown on the field right now. And they are capturing the attention of college football right now as we speak. They are. They're going to be national media analysts. And listen, everybody, let's be honest, we all live in the future in a certain sense. And what I mean by that is this. We're always looking ahead. Some of us try really hard to live completely in the present, not look towards the past. But the reality is, human beings, we naturally do all three. We looked in the past. Sometimes we stick to the present. But there's other moments where we look into the future. We do this just about every single day in our life. And when college football analysts and pundits, excuse me, pundits look to the future and they're looking for, okay, who's the next team that's going to come from out of nowhere seemingly? And become a powerhouse in college football. Well, South Carolina is now in that conversation. More in that conversation. They now have captured the national media market's attention. For good reason. Very few teams have won back-to-back games against top eight programs. People keep saying top ten. Top eight. Tennessee was ranked fifth. Clemson was ranked eighth. South Carolina won both. One of them on the road. So let's get that fact straight. Yes, absolutely right, by the way, Big Red. Game day and SEC Nation. All of y'all picked Clemson. Shame on you. Shame on you. One of y'all should have thought that maybe it would be confidence instead of cockiness after what happened last weekend. Again, tells you how much the media overall, especially the national media, relies on recent history. Sometimes way too much. I told you, these games are not played on paper. These games do not... The final result isn't based off recent history. If that was the case, South Carolina wouldn't win a game for decades if we looked at it that way. Doesn't matter. Did not matter on Saturday afternoon. Recruiting. Yes. Keith. Great point. Recruiting is going to take off. Listen, you thought the transfer portal hall last season was good? Transfers are going to take note of this. They're going to want to come to Columbia, South Carolina. Columbia, South Carolina... It is going to be a hot spot. 
Transfer portal targets, they're going to at least look at South Carolina. They're going to ask the current transfers, hey, what, what do you think of the program? How have they helped you? Ask Antoine Wells. Ask Spencer Rattler. Yes, the stat line might not look pretty, but listen, Spencer Rattler's a better quarterback now than he was a year ago. He was. And he's shown that in the Clemson game and in the Tennessee game. Is he still perfect? No. But he's now been in a pro-style offense that forced him to change how he plays quarterback. And in my opinion, part of it, for the better. His pocket navigation's great. I could go on and on and on about this. I promise I'm trying to run through this as quickly as I can so I can answer some of y'all's questions. But recruiting's going to be great. High school recruiting, 2024 and beyond, it's going to take off. Because they're stacking results on top of each other right now. Shane Beamer and, and, the, and, the, and the energy, the environment, how much this team loves each other. Again, those are intangibles that people don't talk about in college football because at the end of the day, they want to look at results and they want to look at, you know, maybe who, or who are the best recruiters, which are always going to be Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. You're going to look at teams like that. That's how people are going to base teams. They're not going to look at the locker room environment, the camaraderie of the team. South Carolina has that to point to as well. South Carolina is going to become a destination spot in the transfer portal. No question about that. They're about to send a bunch of guys to the NFL in the offseason. That will be, people will take note of that as well. So, South Carolina, this win means everything. They defeated Clemson for the first time in eight tries. They ended their 40-game winning streak at home. This one's going to hurt Clemson fans for a long time. Let's not get that twisted. It's not just because South Carolina just finally ended the streak. South Carolina ended multiple streaks today. And get this, South Carolina was the best team on the field the last two weeks. They were. And honestly, you know, I know that this will be a conversation in the fan base for, for weeks to come now. If South Carolina played this way throughout the majority of this schedule, they prob- they, they're a 10-win team, maybe even 11. But obviously, that's not the way college football seasons always play out. Sometimes teams get better down the stretch. South Carolina has clearly done that. Now, let me go through some of these questions real quick. I'm really sorry, y'all. I know that I've kind of run a little bit long with this. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Beamer Ball is the real deal. I definitely agree with that. Beamer Ball is the real deal. Uh, defensive MVP answered that. Elite punter. Um, I don't think it's a – I think that now Kai Kroger might actually be able to go to the NFL, honestly, after this year. He he is a unreal punter. He might act, he, like I'm talking get drafted fifth sixth round. He is a really really good punter. He's probably the best punter in school history, quite honestly. Okay, here we go. Terrence Tobin. Hope I pronounced that last name correctly. Do you think they will be ranked? Absolutely, I think they'll be ranked. If South Carolina is not ranked this coming week in all of the rankings, AP coaches and college football playoff rankings, if they're not ranked in any of those rankings, um. Let's just say that their reputation it should go down the drain. It really should. Because I don't know what else South Carolina can do to be a ranked team. I mean, two straight top eight wins. I mean, are you kidding me? They definitely should be ranked. And I think they will be ranked. Keith Cheatham, again, we were two touchdown underdogs. Again, odds makers, uh, you need to take notice. South Carolina is that outlier that y'all can't seem to get a grip on right now. Big Red, any possible flips after these past few weeks by highly rated recruits? The one I would point to right now is Terrence Love from Auburn. That place has been in turmoil for a while now. 
Now, admittedly, Cadillac Williams has injected life into that program. You got to credit him for what he's done there. They did just get blown out in the Iron Bowl earlier this afternoon. That was probably to be expected. If Hugh Freeze becomes the head coach, um, I mean, which right now, I'm not going to say that that's what's happening, but it's looking like that's what's going to take place. I would say there's a chance because Hugh Freeze is a, he's completely an offensive-minded guy. That's not to say he'll neglect the defense, but I could see how Terrence Love would maybe want to play for a coach like Shane Beamer who prioritizes all phases of the game here at South Carolina. South Carolina is going to need defensive backs. In line. They need guys in that back six. They really do because they're about to lose a lot of veterans and some really good underclassmen like Cam Smith to the NFL. Let's see. Stream is lagging. Ross, I'm sorry about that. I'm going to just be honest. The website that we use to do these streams stinks. It just, it's not very good. Uh, The quality is not always that great. So apologies for that. Apologies for anyone who's had a hard time with it lagging at certain points. Um, Again, hopefully that is going to be an issue that will be resolved in the near future on my end. Trying to get some things worked out regarding all of that. So I don't see any more questions. Oh. My mistake. Big Red has a question once again. Does Beamer have our team playing better than some of the Spurrier teams in the past? I think that's hard to say because Steve Spurrier won eight games in year one, which was coming off, again, a lot of turmoil at the end of the Lou Holtz era. The fight, ironically, that happened against Clemson uh, up in Death Valley. And, of course, Lou Holtz retires. A lot of players, I would imagine, left after he retired. Granted, it's not the transfer portal era like it is now, but... Better than uh, better than Spurrier's teams in the past, or some of them, I should say. I think in terms of progression, Beamer right now is progressing faster than Steve Spurrier did, which ought to excite South Carolina fans. It took Steve Spurrier five years to get a nine-win season in Columbia. Five years. No, wait. I'm wrong. It took him six seasons. Technically five years. Six seasons to get a nine-win team. Coach Beamer's already got a 7-win team and an 8-win team and is going to be going for his second bowl win in just his second year. Absolutely. I will say in terms of progression, some of these teams, they are better. And they're not maybe as good offensively, but they but these guys just fight. They fight tooth and nail. Again, the team morale, the chemistry, how much these guys love each other, all that plays a role. So I definitely think that this play... I definitely think this team is playing better than some of the Spurrier teams from early on. Bleak mode, Nicholas Harbor. And this will probably be the last question I take because we gotta we gotta head on out of here. This stream's running a little bit long now. Nicholas Harbor, I think that you could definitely say he'll take notice of this game. Absolutely, because if you ask me, Nicholas Harbor right now is looking to play both sides of the ball. He wants to probably be more of a tight end because he is going to run track and field in college. And he's looking to potentially be an Olympian one day in that sport. He is a, he's one of the best athletes on the planet. Let's, let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Because of that, he probably doesn't want the wear and tear of playing defensive line and having to carry a heavier weight on his body. But South Carolina has embraced that. They've said, look, we'll let you play tight end in this offense. Do whatever you want to do, basically position-wise. You can join the track and field team here. Curtis Fry is a Hall of Fame track and field coach here. South Carolina's got some major pull in that regard in my eyes. And you look at what else happened with Spencer Rattler, Gigi Jackson, and Leah Boston. South Carolina has the calling card to throw out there in terms of NIL to say, look, we've got great athletes, prominent athletes that have come here, and they've benefited on NIL. That's another factor in this recruitment for Nicholas Harbor. South Carolina, look, it's going to be a knockdown, dragout fight with Michigan down to the very end. But I think 
that South Carolina is definitely in this game. If I had to say right now, I would probably say it's a coin flip. So we'll see as time passes where he ends up heading. Okay, Sean Conlon, look, I'll answer your question, and then I promise that this is going to be it. Both game thoughts. Citrus, it seems like Tennessee is aiming for the Citrus Bowl right now. That will, of course, depend on what happens in their game tonight against Vanderbilt. I would probably say the ReliQuest Bowl, formerly known as the Outback Bowl, rest in peace, Outback. I would probably say that is the bowl game more than likely that South Carolina will go to. I think that they have basically leapfrogged the Gator Bowl. So ReliQuest is probably the most likely destination if I had to give y'all one right this second. Citrus Bowl would be fantastic. I just think that Tennessee will end up in that spot. So... With that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for this live reaction show. Thank y'all so much for jumping into the live chat and participating. I appreciate every single one of y'all. Again, if you haven't already, feel free to subscribe. We're about to cross 1,000 subscribers. Maybe even have done so during this live stream. I'm about to see that in a few moments. So thank y'all for watching. Thank you if you're a listener of the Audio Podcast Daily. Really appreciate all of you. Enjoy this victory because, my gosh, what a big one is for Shane Beamer and this program. And I can promise you I'll have more coverage on this victory and what this means for the future of South Carolina football throughout the next week leading into South Carolina's impending bowl announcement. So thank y'all. I'll catch you on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.